is the Fantasy Focus Baseball Podcast. Here are your hosts, Tristan Cockroft and Eric Carabell. That's right. Fantasy Focus Baseball is back for a beautiful Wednesday morning, March 4th, 2020. He is Tristan, master of all that is fantasy baseball and fine ballpark foods. Where's the bacon? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I take you to a great breakfast place. You don't even order bacon. Um, our that, was, res- that was an error on my part. It, it certainly was. E6. Our researcher and producer is Kyle Soppy, master of all that is versatility, and Tyler Chadwood, and I'm just Eric. Someone asked the host and read the ads when we have them. Uh, we just spent a terrific weekend down south for First Pitch Florida with our friends uh, Brent Hershey, Ray Murphy, Ron Chandler, and a cast of others. A great time, Tristan. You and I were down there. So many nice people, a bunch of baseball games, and, of course, the labor drafts. Uh, you can find that posted maybe. To which, uh, remember, Steve Gardner, too, labor. Yeah, terrific. He runs labor and uh, works with Brent and Ray. And for those who don't know what that is, go to Baseball HQ, First Pitch Florida. It's in the spring in, in Florida and in the fall. I believe the second weekend of October down in Arizona, and that is much fun. So sign up now. Uh, on today's fine show, and I believe this is the last time we're only once a week. We start twice a week podcast Monday, Thursday, next week until they tell us to stop. Uh, today we'll talk about uh, the news of the day. Of course, there's plenty of it. More elbows that are uh, injured. Uh, spring stats that matter, and a little bit later on, Kyle reads stuff and we answer them. Here's the buzz. Uh, on the last show, Tristan, we talked about Luis Severino, the Yankee starting pitcher, and I basically said, I don't want him, I don't care, I'm dropping him in my rankings. And then an hour after the show, we dropped him out of our rankings because he is no more. Tommy John surgery is... is uh, Either happened already or is happening, and we will not happened see. Happened already. Happened last Thursday. Yeah. We won't see Mr. Severino this year and probably half the next. And I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I believe that the same thing might be happening with Chris Sale, the awesome lefty who's getting his elbow checked out today at MRI. And, um, you know, I've got him at the back, I think like 15 or 20 in that range. But if I'm doing rankings after the show, which I probably ought to do, I put him down to 45, and then an hour later, I have a feeling Tommy John surgery is coming for him as well. Yeah, I am rather concerned, and the Severino example teaches us a little bit of a lesson here that uh, what I said on the last show, and that is that on the day of the bad news, if you want to completely fade the player, I'm perfectly fine with that. That's what I'm doing with Sale until we hear the final uh, diagnosis here. I am very concerned. I can't, I can't see how if you need to press the publish button on a set of ranks at this moment, how he's in your top 50 starting pitchers. Is there a lesson here? I mean, obviously, don't draft early, but I mean, players are going to get hurt in in April too. So, I, and with Sale, he was injured last season. So again, I'll ask you because Severino and Sale, there is a pattern. They were hurt a year ago. We knew something was wrong. People seem to be um, just ignoring the fact that Sale was hurt last season, and they looked at his ERA and said, "Oh, it'll be a run and a half lower because his skills matched it." But I think there's a lesson to be learned. If a guy's hurt last year, chances are pretty good he's going to be hurt this year or now. Well, I mean, I think the hope here was just that the winter's rest and the fact that he was shut down in a in a non-competitive season, that that would help him get back to 100%. So we were giving him the benefit of the doubt. But when he entered spring training without being on a full workload, I think that was a, a bit of a warning sign. Now, I still think the guy is great on a per-batter-faced basis, but yeah, I mean... I, I, I'm probably more pessimistic about guys who come into the spring injured than I was in the past. You and I talk about this a lot, about the players who get those deep discounts because of injury questions. But without a firm diagnosis and a player being on the, the positive re, uh, recovery path, 
So like the Mike Clevengers, where we know he's already working himself back towards 100%. I I don't want players like that. There's a total difference here. One is an elbow, and one is about a knee. Yes. So I, yes. I don't even think it's worth discussing Mike Clevenger in that sense. So anyway, Chris Sale's done. Boston's rotation, not so awesome. Eduardo Rodriguez will be your opening day guy. Then it's Nate Evaldi, Martin Perez, Ryan Weber, Hector Velasquez, um, Mike Torres. It's a mess. Um what can you say about Boston in a general sense here? Obviously, Mookie is gone, and now I we believe Chris Sale will be as well. The offense looks okay. It's not the best offense in the league, but it's probably a top, borderline top five offense. But the pitching's so bad. Does this does this tell you anything from a fantasy aspect? Do you want to fade Eduardo Rodriguez now, or are you more likely to get him? What does it mean about getting, say, Brandon Workman, who see, appears to be their closer? Um, any feel here on Boston? Um, I, I think it does pull them backwards in terms of the wins and saves potential. I, I don't make rash judgments on uh, kind of a team like this uh, in those two categories, but it, it, it probably is going to have an impact. Just like losing Mookie Betts did hurt the offense from a runs and RBI perspective, uh, and that could end up being just a dollar or two in an auction format. Um, I, I actually think Eduardo Rodriguez might get a little bit overrated at this point. Mm-hmm. He, he also has an injury history, and the prices that, that are being paid for him, including in the Labor AL auction, while not unfair and not unrealistic, they, they do kind of assume he stays fully healthy. With that injury track record, I think he's got to give you 25-plus starts in order to meet the ADP and the average auction price. And I'm I'm looking for a Red Sox young starting pitcher who could be promoted from the minors, and I just don't see one that's going to matter. They don't you, have. You and I talked about one who I'd like to see getting a starter's look, and that was Darwin's and Hernandez. But I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen either. I mean, there's so many good young starting pitchers in the minors: Mackenzie Gore, Spencer Howard, guys that we think might get a shot this season or will, like Howard. But um, I don't see one in Boston. Moving to the other evil team, the Yankees. Um, two of your outfitters starting the season on the disabled list or injury list or whatever list they call it now. Who are, you, who are you more optimistic about between Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton? Because I think that's a reasonable question now. Yeah, yeah it wasn't it is. maybe a couple weeks ago, but you know, you and me traded Harper for Judge in a sim league, and I thought I got the worst end of it. But I wanted durability, and I've got that. Uh-huh. Judge offers a little bit more upside, I think. Yeah. But man, I I just wonder if both these guys are just going to be hurt all the time, and it's not worth even taking that shot in round three anymore. Yeah, and I'm wondering the same thing. And when you ask me which I'd rather have, I probably would just say judge based on being younger. Uh, but I, I don't have anything to quantify that. I, I mean, Stanton was the the one who has had the most recent slightly positive piece of injury news, and that is that they, there's hope that he could return at some point mid to late April. But, you know, I'm not going to get excited about that. Stan was one of my buys in Labor AL. You and I talked about that one and it probably was the the biggest question I had for myself to have spent $18 on him in an AL only league and my perspective on that was if he plays half a year, that's what he should return if at 100%. But is it worth taking that chance that even he can give you a, a half season's worth of production? So I can't do that in a, in, a, in the only league. Uh, and for people listening that play in mixed leagues, this is about AL, uh, AL only as a 12-teamer and only the same in labor and in a lot of leagues. I wouldn't have spent any money. I, I don't want to take a shot on a guy who I know is going to miss a third, a quarter. I don't know how much of the season John Close Stan's going to miss. And in an only league, there's no replacing him. <laughs> there's there's nobody available on free. Mike Tockman went for $10. You're not getting yeah, yeah. a replacement guy there. I mean, we'll get to Tockman in a second, but... 
I just won't take that chance. In a mixed league, I will, but not in an only. Okay, but now the counter to that is that if Stanton is fully healthy, let's say that we're we're given a guarantee, some magical, you know, injury-free magic wand comes out, and he gives you 150 plus games, you're paying 30 plus dollars for a player like this. Yeah, but we, we, do we have to get hit over the head here? Yeah, well, He's not finishing 120 games. Yeah. So this is the thing: you're going to turn over a minimum of 40 percent of your labor roster. You're oh, going I to. I don't agree with that. That's in a mixed league, maybe with free agency, but if you want to come up with the exact percentage and it's thirty, I won't quibble on that. But you're, you, I, I'll tell you right now, you will be significantly turning over a portion of your labor roster, and I would imagine it's got to be a minimum of a third of it. So you're going to have to fill cracks anyway. When a player like that sells for eighteen dollars and he could give you half a year's production and return that investment, isn't he worth that? And it would lead me to ask you, where is your breaking point? At what point are you out on a player like this? Maybe you're more conservative on it than I am. Far more conservative, and I disagree with you on 30 Where are you going on Stanton? Give me the number on him, that you're stopping in an AL-only league. Well, I don't know, 10 maybe, but I, I would say in your rankings, most people, I guess, are playing in our standard mix. Your head-to-head category rankings, I don't know if Stanton or Judge should be in the top 50 anymore. Top 50 Overall. Overall. Okay. Because and I, I, I would not think they're missing that. at least a third of the season, Tristan. Yeah, I, I would, I would, I really wouldn't dispute that. I mean, I, there's a good chance I would keep Judge within that, uh, and Stan would be outside of it. But you turn over, I, you turn over a lot of spots in a fantasy baseball league. There's, not an AL or NL only. I, I had maybe four spots I turned over last year finishing second. I just I, don't I'm see that. I'm pretty sure I turned over easily ten so, spots. And, and the other the year. other difference here is Stanton just keeps getting hurt. Judge, this is a shoulder that has been a problem years years in the past. So mm-hmm. I have a feeling it's going to be a problem Stan, all season long. By the way, Stanton had two remarkably healthy years. The last one in Miami and the first one in New York. Now, yeah. that was out of character for him if you take the entirety of his career. Yeah. I remember that that was brought up, but yeah, you're right. He does have a, a pretty checkered injury history. So, what do you believe? Do you believe? I mean, you, you, so you're fully believing the completely injury prone. I just, if a guy's hurt now, what makes you think he's going to be healthy for 140 games? You've made the case before that you shouldn't completely panic about injuries during the preseason. So it, it can't be both. It needs to be one or the other. I think with Judge and Stanton, we have a pretty good, pretty good handle on their histories. I don't know the judge has a history. He certainly doesn't have a history like Stanton's yet. I I would say that if if you throw 10 at Stanton, are you throwing a greater or lesser number of judge, or is it exactly the same? I'd rather have judge than Stanton. And Um, where would, where is that line for you where you just couldn't keep going in an end? I'm I'm probably going to have judge ranked in my 30s now. Um, and Stan maybe in the 50s. So in terms of cash spend, I, I don't know. But I mean, last year's seasons, Tristan Judge, 102 and 112 games. That's a, that's a pattern. That's right. not, you know, that's well, a baseline Judge's, now. Judge's career isn't that extensive that I think we can call it a pattern yet, but he's also not wanna... 24. He's 28. We, I know. And we talked about this on, it wasn't one of the previous shows that I'm becoming concerned about Judge's injury history. He's developing one and oh, we yeah. need to react right. to that. Uh, but I, I feel I wasn't going a penny more for Stan than the eighteen dollars I paid. I probably wouldn't go into the twenties on Judge. Let's talk about other, to 20. other Yankees here because they matter too. Brett Gardner, who was going to play anyway because of Aaron Hicks's injury. Mike Talkman, Clint Frazier, um, Mike Ford. Any of these guys? I think Talkman is a guy who should be drafted now in ESPN standard leagues as your fourth or fifth outfitter. I think he's going to. I think he's get, getting four hundred fifty plate appearances, and based on what he did last season, they were good ones. So, to me, that's the guy I want, not Clint Frazier. 
Yeah, and I would agree with that. And I threw Clint Frazier out there in labor at a buck and would have taken him at that if that's where he stalled. And the reason for it was that I think the name is going to catch people. They assume that he's going to find a job or get traded elsewhere. And those things are not as uh, obvious as we seem to make it out. I like Talkman. He brings the quality defense necessary to drive plate appearances. And considering the Yankees' outfield construction... I don't believe Brett Gardner would be well-suited to play center field on an absolutely everyday basis. I think they're going to have to give Talkman at least a third of the playing time until potentially Aaron Hicks comes back. So I'm with you. I think he's a bargain. He was a little pricey in AL Labor. I think he was 10 bucks. I don't think that's outrageous. It oh, gives yeah, you good. decent numbers across all categories. Uh, Ford, I don't know if he's going to make the roster. That's going to be a little bit in question based on what happens with the name you didn't mention, which is Miguel Andujar. Does Andujar fit in at all at DH first base left field? Oh, uh, we'll see how that does. plays out. I, I assume Miguel Andujar is the opening day left fielder slash DH. So I'll, I'll throw another labor-related comparison at you, and that is if Talkman sold for 10 and Andujar sold at 9, and Andujar is a DH-only player currently, where are you going with those two? I'd rather have Talkman personally. I think he'll play more. I think there's more opportunities because he's a good outfielder. And I'm not sure I believe Anderhar's numbers from two years ago. That he can just get back to that. I don't buy that. I think the skills support him getting back to that. I've, I've said that I do believe he could hit for better power than he showed up to this point. He'd have to sacrifice some batting average. I I think it's it's a tough comparison. I think Talkman is a lot safer investment than people are making him out to be. All right, let's talk about what we saw. We saw four baseball games in three days or four days. Um, anything that you notice there that is important for fantasy managers to, to know? I mean, that you would write about if you could. Like, I'm trying to think who we saw that made a difference. Like, we saw the Atlanta-Philadelphia game on, uh, what was that, Monday night? I don't even remember night, what yes. day today is. And we saw the Yankees and the Tigers on Saturday. We saw the Phillies and the Orioles on Sunday. We saw the Orioles and the Rays on Monday, and we saw the Phillies and the Braves on Right. So walking backwards, we saw the young Braves guys, Drew Waters and Pache, the center fielder. They can run, man. Yeah, they're quick. They are Very fast. impressed by that. Mm-hmm. But for this season, I don't see much opportunity because they already have Inciarte and Marquecas and Duvall sharing one spot there. So... Not sure where we can glean from that. Sean Newcomb started that game. I was impressed. Now he wasn't yep. facing a good Phillies lineup. Kingery was the only regular. But if Newcomb's in that rotation, we haven't even been like ranking Newcomb as if he's in the rotation. That could be very interesting. Right. And I, and what strikes me about Newcomb is that if the Braves found themselves needing to rely on an opener strategy, he could be a nice fit behind him. He could end up being maybe a light Ryan Yarbrough type. And if he's in the rotation, he could be something greater than that. I'm trying to think of a good example for him. Uh, control's been a little bit questionable for me, but I, I agree. It's one game. Don't want to get carried away. But the fact that he was able to linger deep into that game than, than what his role was last year was was interesting to me. I also I thought Tuki Toussaint looked pretty decent. Yes. He had a little bit of a, an adjustment to his delivery, um, and he had great breaking pitches. And I, I th- we were talking about this at the game. I feel like there's a spot for him to make an impact in a short relief role late. I agree. I agree, absolutely. I mean, we keep debating here on Atlanta whether it's Melanson or Will Smith. You have Will Smith, I have Melanson. Uh, Smith didn't look so great in his outing. No, he uh, didn't. Just say, <laughs> Big Christian, home run opposite field by Christian Betancourt. <laughs> they hit one like an inning later. Um, yeah. yeah, you're right. Toussaint could matter there. Uh, on Tampa Bay, everybody's talking about Yoshi Susugo not only being a regular but maybe being their third baseman that he might be better defensively than Yandy Diaz. I have not been considering Tutsugo as a definite top 50 outfielder, maybe, but I should. He can hit. 
left-handed bat with power, and he's going to play. So the comp I most commonly heard when he was signed was Kyle Schwarber, that the hope is that that's the kind of production that he could provide you, which is pretty relevant for fantasy. Sure. Um, especially if he qualifies at third base. He'll bring an outfield qualification in. He could pick up first base. The third base mix for the Rays is, to me, the most interesting uh, position val- uh, battle for them. I don't think any of their candidates are natural third basemen. It looks like it's a Yandy Diaz, Tutugo, and Nate Lowe competition at third base, at least among the fantasy-relevant players. Uh, if Susugo is the one who emerges, that's great. That's going to stabilize his playing time and could meet the Kyle Schwarber projection. If he's at DH in first base, he has to contend with guys like G-Man Choi, who seems a little redundant to him, and Jose Martinez. And I don't like the playing time limitation. I think G-Man Choi is relevant. Oh, I do too. I like him. I think he's a very good player, but I, I'd like to see Choi and Susugo in there against every righty. I'd like to see Susugo play a couple of games against lefties, see what he could provide. Fair enough. And who was that guy on Tampa who hit that triple? He just motored around the bases. I'm trying to find it now. Was that when I stepped away to get my uh, little snack? <laughs> ah, little snack. You ate well on this trip. I'm trying to. Th- yeah, I don't even see him in the box score, so I'm, maybe I'm missing. Maybe he wasn't on his team. Oh, he's, he was. That's because he's not on Tampa. He was Baltimore's guy, Diaz, the right fielder. Oh, you uh, snail Diaz. You snail Diaz. Ah, man, if they can make room for yeah. him this season. He that was, was a guy who stood out. On that was trip. it last year or two years ago where we mentioned him as a sleeper in-season call-up? And he seems forgotten. He does. And nobody on Baltimore should be forgotten because there's opportunity there. I mean, their current outfield, I mean, Mancini's great, but mm-hmm. Austin Hayes, I'm not sure he'll hit. Anthony Santander, you know, he might kind of like third. Hayes. I do kind of like Hayes. Why? He was a top prospect, got derailed a little bit by injuries. We had forgotten about him a bit, so the the stock is down, uh, but provides decent balance, I think, in the fantasy, the roto categories, at least. And I think he'll play. As long as he's healthy, he'll play. And Ryan Mountcastle is their prospect, who looks like he can hit, can't walk, maybe a low batting average, long base. And the defense is a major question there. All right, so briefly, some other stuff here. So the labor articles are posted if you want to check them out, and I like what you did. I like what you did. Maybe better than I did. Comment on what I did, which um, I spent. I I got the entire Washington outfield, <laughs> including their reserve. Is that a good or a bad strategy or a non-strategy for baseball? Doesn't matter. It's not like fantasy football where if you have the running back and quarterback and receiver for Chicago, you know, one week you, you get nothing. Washington's outfield is good, but mm-hmm. I didn't try to do it. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I, I don't think having locked down one outfield, I don't think it matters. I don't think it helped you. I don't think it hurt you. I think that the key here was you got the guy I was worried at the stage of the auction that you would, would put yourself into a corner, and that was Victor Robles. You uh, solidified your steals. And I think that's very important to do this year. It was a, a strategy that I had in the AL where Francisco Lindor went for a good price, started with that, and then Elvis Andrews fell at a, a very good price. You got yourself Robles, which gives you a good base. Eaton is going to contribute a little bit for you in that category as well. So you, you left yourself in a, in a good spot there and allowed yourself to get other bargains at other spots. I thought Real Muto, JT Real Muto, when he, he came out there, and I think we were in universal agreement in the room that JT Real Muto at $20 is a steal. Gary Sanchez was $25 in the AL auction. I was very surprised to see Real Muto stall. There was a lot of stalling. A lot of bids that were thrown out there. The bidding got up there very quickly, and then people just sort of bailed out. Um, you, you stuck to the plan. I thought that was another good thing. I knew what your plan was coming in. I was even discussing it with a couple people on the sidelines that hey, this is what he's going to do, and you did it. When you hit a plan like that, I think it puts you in pretty good uh, good spots. And you got some interesting late um, 
uh, late bargain candidates. Tony Watson, he could pick up some saves for the Giants. Uh, I like the Josh Bell price. That wasn't one of the later ones. Austin Voth, that was another guy uh, we, we talked about. I kind of like him. You got him for, what was it, two bucks? Two bucks. That's it. Yeah, I mean, when you get guys like that at the back end of the pitching staff who could be in the rotation, give you some decent ratios, it, it gives you some depth in the year, in season. I like your team a lot, except for the couple chances you took. Uh, John Carlos Stanton, we already discussed. Kyle Tucker at 14. He could earn 24 or zero. I yep. don't know how much he's going to play, and I don't want to take that chance in a shallow league. Yep. Love Evan White at seven. Nobody's even looking at this guy because they don't, don't think he has power. But everybody has power with the happy fun ball. So <laughs> stop saying that. Um, Lestelle, I like people are for, forgetting. He had 16 homers in half a season. Yeah. I'm not saying he's going to hit 30. But Fingers crossed for health. Lindor, Rendon, Devers. So what if you spent, you know, $96 on three infielders? Now, you could have used another starting pitcher, but Did still. Did you think, now, in retrospect, so the way that those came out, and I wrote this in the column, Anthony Rendon at $30 was a good buy to me. And yep. when Devers stalled, I had Devers down as a $34 play. I think it was 34 Take him. Doesn't matter if you have, he's your corner. That's okay. I like him a lot. I was very surprised to see him stall there. I was too. I was too. I, I think you did well. I, I, it's a team that I would like to have. And, and one big difference is you have a closer. I didn't really get a closer. Um, well, what do you think of that? Your strategy and closer. So you I couldn't. You the bought... prices were ridiculous. The prices were absolutely ridiculous. Yes, they were. And all closers, and I refused to get involved in it. And now I don't have any saves unless Tony Watson and and the Rockies guy Oberg get some. And I don't know if they're getting zero or a combined thirty. But I couldn't. Hector Neris went for nineteen. Come on. Um, Other than Archer the fact that Hater two. went for only twenty one. And by the way, I'm in on that. I would have paid 22. Yeah. I, I think it's worth paying for him. I agreed that the entirety, and this happened in the, uh, the AL as well, where I felt that the top guy went for a little bit too much for me, and the bargains were in the later rounds, the single-digit players. Matt McGill for mine. But in yours, you've got Scott Oberg. I like the idea of, of fading Wade Davis in that bullpen and taking a couple other guys, and you, you passed on my deep sleeper there in the reserve draft. Shame for shame. I couldn't go Jairo Diaz. I just couldn't do it. I needed starters there. I, I understand case. it, yeah. But, but the, I mean, there was you, no middle class. Archie Bradley and Razor Iglesias went for too much for my taste, and I just, so I just backed out. Don't You can always trade. And I didn't right. leave with zero, but... Just but I'd care. rather do what you're doing here, and I tried it in the AL, that if you're going to go cheap at closer, address the ratios. You took the ratio guy in Oberg over Wade Davis in, in Colorado, four bucks. You took Seth Lugo of the Mets for two bucks. That's a guy who's going to give you some... some good innings. Uh, yeah, he's going to give you a good innings total and good ratios and strikeouts. And you took Tony Watson, who is the ratio-driven guy I would take in the San Francisco bullpen. Combined, what was it, $9? Yeah, $9 combined for those three. It's worth a shot. Uh, briefly, there's some other good stuff posted on ESPN's pages. Who is number one in drafts? There's a little roundtable here between Tristan, AJ Mass, and I about Trout, Acuna, maybe Garrett Cole. Check it out. It is posted, I believe. Um, also, yep. the top 100 prospects is posted by our friend Kylie McDaniel. That's at ESPN's MLB coverage there. Top 100. We know who number one is. It's a Tampa Bay Ray. But the rest of it's kind of interesting. And later this week, I'll be writing about fantasy-relevant prospects that maybe are a little bit under the radar. So you want to check that out. Tristan, briefly here in the first half of our show, some stats that matter. And uh, and maybe they don't. Um, I noticed to go to Hudson stopped walking people. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's kind of interesting because that's the only reason I'm fading him. But maybe I shouldn't be fading him. In fact, I just took him in one of my... Uh, deep league drafts, a, a 50 teamer on, uh, NFBC. Um, anyone else here? Any other stats here that you've noticed? Either, uh, to me, in a general sense, 
you know, with stats, because it's not, you know, whose velocity is up or down. You don't see that in stats, but it's, it's pitchers who aren't or are walking people. Um, it's hitters who maybe are stealing bases and showing plate discipline. Anything you've noticed? Yeah. So, uh, Dakota Hudson, by the way, just one walk so far this spring. He's not getting the case, but I, I agree with you on that. The walk happened yesterday against, yeah, against, yeah. Let's, Let's go back to one of the games that we watched, and we saw him bat, and he hit a nice fly ball to the opposite field. It only got to the wall, but the fact that he was able to drive the ball with that authority to the opposite field, Chris Davis. Chris Davis is having a very good spring. The and Baltimore the, one. Yeah. The Baltimore, yeah. The, the bad Chris Davis, the one who I was upset that I didn't get in the first round of the reserve draft in, in labor. So we see what the stock is for him. Making a lot more contact. 89% contact rate so far this spring. And yeah, okay, small samples. I don't want to get too carried away here, but... He's put himself onto my watch list. He wasn't there in the first place, but the fact is that he's doing some things here that are different from what we are used to in seasons past. I put Danny Jansen on the list, a guy I was very interested as a a discount catcher, especially as your number two catcher in a two-catcher league, also showing some pretty good contact and some patience as well at the plate. Three walks and 11 trips to the plate so far during spring training, so that's somebody definitely to keep an eye on. Uh, Who's the pitcher we talked about? During spring training, Jonathan Loisaga of the Yankees is uh, performing pretty well in that fifth starter race. Could be kind of an interesting name for you. Uh, Brandon Kinsler, yeah, we talked about it before the show. What are the numbers? Yeah, not not so good. So Brandon Kinsler so far has not whiffed a single one of the let's see eleven batters he has faced. He has walked four of them. His control has not been there. I don't assume he's a closer. I just don't. And Everyone I, does. His price went too high for me in NL labor, and I didn't want to do it. I'd rather have Oberg. Maybe Sandy Alcantara, seven walks yeah, out bad. of 23 batters faced, that's only bad. 1K. Yeah. These are not good starts. And again, these are only things that are going to shift things a couple of bucks at most in an auction format or a round, maybe two rounds. But these two players, Alcantara and, and Kinsler, they're going to get scratched from my list in mixed leagues if they continue at this pace. Chris Davis of Baltimore, six walks, one strikeout. Yeah, mm-hmm. look at that. That and, is... And, and I'd be careful just not to lean into the batting average and home run numbers. I like to pull things like the walk rates, the K rates, the contact rates for hitters, the isolated power of hitters, things like that. I'm going to throw away all the rest, and most of the stuff is going to end up being noise to me. But when somebody's doing something at the extreme in either direction, I am going to take note. All right, well, let's take note. The first half of the show is now over and coming up. Music will be played, and Kyle will be reading stuff, and Tristan, who wins all his leagues, will be answering the questions. How was your weekend, Kyle? I had a great weekend. Can't complain. Didn't draft any teams, but other than that, no real issues here. Nice weather in the Northeast. I'll take that. So we did have nice weather in Florida. never rained or anything, but it wasn't as warm as maybe. Are you complaining about Florida? <laughs> I'm not complaining about Florida. It sounded like a complaint about Florida. I could have used 80 degrees every day in sunny. That's oh, I loved it. It was windy. It was pretty windy. Down there. I was the only one not wearing pants. Not wearing pants now either. But everybody was All wearing right, Donald pants. Duck. <laughs> so there was like a night game where everybody was bought. Like one of our friends was wearing. Actually, that wasn't even a night game. That was a day game where he was wearing a sweatshirt over his head, tied up. Freezing, begging us to leave after the seventh inning. We're not going to call out his name, Greg, but it was just very interesting there. And, uh, and you know, he was from a cold area at home. Too. He's from Wisconsin. I know. Uh, uh, we hung out with him. It was cold. It was very windy. I'm wearing Kansas. shorts. I wasn't warm. You but... were wearing shorts before the plane in the cold up here. Yeah, that. Well, I didn't bring pants. Um, we ate well. Lenny's in Clearwater. Thank you for yep. the great breakfast there. 
good stuff. I've been wanting to go there for only about 20 years, and uh, that was a good meal. Um, remember sure the place was. M&M Barbecue? That was um, good, too. Yeah. In, where was that? That's in uh, St. Pete. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. They served us well. Nice craft beers for all my friends. Anyway, that was a great trip. And again, I recommend uh, the weekend first pitch. Good, good people. You know, no, nobody's pretentious. Yeah. I would the anticipate analysts. they'll do it again, and it's it's similar. Yeah. <laughs> we had, you know, what really impressed me about this year's conference? What impressed you, Tristan? We had two labor drafts that were part of the conference, so they were open to anybody who attended this conference. And we had a we had a lot of people in attendance to watch those two auctions. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, I mean, it, there had to have been two dozen people at the at the Labor Ale on Saturday night, I, and at yours, I saw there were a lot as well. Yeah, I mean, yours was better attended because uh, Kyle, people obviously want to see what, what Tristan's what Tristan's doing. Obviously, <laughs> you know, That's they're, they're like, been. "This guy wins, so I want to follow him." They're like, oh, "Eric's in the draft; he only finished a second, so I don't need to see that." You but know I, the truth. I need to see Tristan's drafting technique and see how he's. All doing. right, okay, and he's saying this. We know the truth was <laughs> that people were wandering in; they got bored of the boxing match that was right around the corner, <laughs> and they needed to something. In the hotel, it's true. They really did, Kyle. They had an actual boxing match. That was like in, the undercard to your draft. That was the overcard. It was actually yeah. happening in the in banquet room next to us. It was in the overcard. We were yeah. our ale draft was so compelling. We had all of the spillover come into our draft to watch. Anyway, I hope we did well. And Tout Wars is not this weekend, but next weekend, and yes. that'll be in New York City. And I don't know, maybe people can watch that too. But it's uh, they can. They that should be fun as well. Hopefully I'll prepare and do okay, and then uh, obviously a whole month of drafting. This is our first March show, I believe, so there's a lot. This is the month for drafts, and uh, check out ESPN Fantasy, and it'll all be there. And, you know, I'll go to a game or two. You know, our friends at SeatGeek can help you do that. And uh, you can wear uh, MeUndies while you're doing it. All right, anything else? I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you were you were checking out my MeUndies uh, socks when I was going through the, the airport check, yeah, please, you? please use the word socks. Um, yes, you were wearing red socks. And What's wrong with my red socks? Well, with jeans and, like, black sneakers, it just looked a little bit awkward. And the best was I was wearing my Mandalorian socks on the way back. Socks. Mandalorian? Oh, you, yeah, your Star Wars outfit on the way home. Yes, I love that. Uh-huh. He's a little odd. I had a couple people time. come up in the airport, and they liked the shirt, yeah. I'm sure they did. More yeah. people comment on the shirt of the AL draft. Uh, well, they were like, that Stanton price is terrible, but I like your Star Wars shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you cut the middle. I like it. <laughs> Great shirt. Horrible team. <laughs> Read a question. Zach and a bunch of people had their eyes on Otani's projection. We've got him for 18 home runs, 64 RBI, and a 279 average. He wants to know where you stand over, under on those numbers, and how many innings pitched do you expect? Well, he's not even going to pitch until June, right? Is that the rumor? They said there's a chance at May. May, yeah. I think he, he'd have to, everything would have to pr- pr- uh, progress perfectly smoothly. Well, it, I don't really project, and I think it's a bad idea when people just project home runs, RBI, batting, batting average is different. Home runs and RBI because it's all based on volume to some degree. If Otani gets 550 PAs or 250 PAs, it's going gonna, it's gonna to massage the cumulative numbers. Um, so... I think my problem here is if he pitches, he won't hit. They won't use him every day. He'll like pitch once a week and then bat twice a week, two games a week. So I think if he was a full-time hitter, Tristan, he'd be a monster, like yeah. a 30 homer guy because of the bulk of a PAs. Yeah. I'll say, over, I'll say convers- over on this. I had a couple conversations at the, uh, the conference about Otani. The thing I like about him, and, and Eric, you and I have talked about this in the past, that he's so much quicker than you think. 
the steals total he provides you is something I don't think people give him credit for. I think I think he's over across the board on this projection, with the exception of maybe strikeouts. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. If they use him as a starting pitcher for five, four and a half, five months out of the six this season, they're going to go back to that strategy at the beginning of 2018 where he's DHing three times the rest of the week. You rank him better than I do, so you and obviously you're willing to more, take more chances than I am in drafts and in I, auctions. I that and that is the format. A little bit. Remember, so minus the head-to-head category. So in a head-to-head where you can exploit the daily transactions, you can maximize his weekly head-to-head appeal. In yours, you're taking more of a broad look, and I agree with you that from a broad perspective, he's less valuable. All right, what's next? You didn't really give me a number on innings pitch. What are we looking at, 125? Under. Under? 100? Under. Yeah, I just don't I don't see it. If he gives you 20 starts, consider yourself fortunate and be pleased with it. All right. Joe wants to know if there's a position you look for, specifically hitters, in the early rounds, or is it always best player available? We say it's always best player, but it's all, that's not always true. I mean, we deviate from time to time. There are times, like, I overspent on Victor Robles, and I admit it. I didn't spend as much as no, you did. it cost on Jonathan VR. No, that's a lot. $26 for Robles is predicated on him leading off, running a lot, and becoming a better hitter. You know, one of our industry buddies there thought Robus was a ridiculous price to pay because he's not—he doesn't hit better than a hit than a pitcher. And the point can be made: Robus has not turned into a good hitter yet. I think he will. So early in drafts, yes, I'm kind of looking at best player available, regardless of position, but also some stats. You've got to get stolen bases early because I don't want Malik Smith late. I, I can't take that chance. So that's to some degree. Also, like, like you already got two third basemen in AL Labor. You weren't drafting a third. So no. if there was a bargain price on... Well, that was the Jose Abreu thing. Right. But I don't think you should feel bad about Devers over Abreu. He's a better oh, player. No, I don't. But, but but that explains why I didn't pursue that bargain. I thought Abreu was a ridiculous bargain, if, but if I my, couldn't pursue it. If Michael Franco had stopped at, a, at $2 and you're like, that's ridiculous, I have him bar- at 6 maybe you couldn't have taken him because he had to have been your utility. Correct. That's my point is that there's some risk here in taking two third basemen in your first four picks of a draft because then you can't take a bargain that you see later on. All right. That, that would be my point there. Yeah. Uh, or I filled up my outfield so early that if I had four outfielders in the first, say, 10 rounds of that draft, if you extrapolate the auction to a draft, you know, maybe I wouldn't have taken a bargain outfielder because I was, I was afraid of filling it up. Now I did with McCutcheon because I just thought, there was a bargain price based on a guy coming back from injury that's not going to devastate his season, but he's being underrated because of the injury concern. I don't care if McCutcheon starts the year on the disabled list. I, I don't have him banked at 140 games anyway. But that price I paid, I would have paid $5 more. So that was okay. So Robles, by the way, our current ADP on him is 100th overall. I actually have him ranked 20 spots better than that. Generally, the NFBC uh, ADP is better than this. Yeah, it's, he's in the 60s. Uh, I don't have an update th- through the past weekend, but it was at 71 in the last... Uh, I would like to I think checked. that Robles leads off and runs wild, but I am concerned he bats only 250 with 25 steals again, and you know that he just doesn't take strides. Uh-huh. So there, there's risk in that. There is a... there, But, I mean, at least early on, the market was saying to go practically all in on Victor Robles. There was a lot of positivity, in ter- at least in terms of the Steel's contribution. That's the part of it I liked. If you're going to reach for a guy, make sure he's still a hitter. Make sure he's either gold in batting average and power, or he steals enough bases with the power. So you reach a little for Trey Turner, you reach a little for VR and Robles, 
and you know uh Whit Merrifield and guys yeah. who you know should steal some bases, maybe not yeah. as many as you want, but enough. I'd rather be reaching there than reaching for your Malik Smith types. Deep Absolutely. Gordons. All right. All right, Kevin, Kevin, excuse me, is shifting from an average league to an OBP league. He wants some non-star hitters that should vault up the ranks in this format. Remember, we used to say that um, Joey Votto was a first-round pick in on-base performance formats. Now, he's not anymore, obviously. But um, the guys who take a ton of walks and and provide your provide the best on-base percentages, they're, like, there, Trout's the, well, Yelich does it too, but Trout and Yelich oh, well over Acuna. Okay, so if you're in an on-base percentage, like Acuna's not the first pick. It's Trout or Yelich. And, man, I'm looking, I'm comparing their numbers, and I still think it's Yelich. I do. If they both hit the same homers in RBI and one of them steals 20 more bases, how can you make the case? Trout runs away with this in our custom dollar generator. He has a $6 advantage over Yelich, and it's mainly Why? Last year was a 438 and a 429 on base. Right. He owns OBP. The projections build a solid base year over year. It's 440 in the projection. Christian Yelich is 406. I'd agree with you that I think it'll be closer, but Trout, in any dollar generator I've ever run, runs away with the on-base race. Right. If it's only on base, if it's if it's adding other categories, it's a little bit different, but he runs away with it. Juan Soto's a first-round pick in an OBP Juan league. Soto is the third-best hitter by our generator, $40 in a mix based on the 410 on base. Tunnel walks, only getting better. 12 steals could become 18. Take him over. I mean, Bregman's a walker. Yeah. He's already a first-round pick. Don't overrate it. Don't make Carlos Santana. Or you come with Votto, make him a first round pick, but he becomes like a third round pick, doesn't he? That's where Votto used to be. Give me the name again. Sorry. Carlos Santana, Cleveland. You've heard of him. Mm, No, not that much, but I do think he gets a pretty big bump. Hunter walks. He had a a 392 on base. He's grading what looks like about the 40th hitter. And, and I'm, you know, like he, he's, he's a guy who's going to have a hard time cracking the top 100 of a mixed league, uh, batting average draft. But is unquestionably within it. I don't think he's like. I don't think he's quite up to the level of Votto. There are a lot of walkers in the game. You know who's sh- uh, who shoots up the board if I run an on-base report? My boy Max Muncy. Actually, yeah, he does. He's one of them. There's a guy who jumps ahead of him, and it's Kevin Biggio. Oh, I love him. <laughs> I love Kevin him. Biggio is getting one of the best grades if you compare these two formats to one another. Uh, Tommy Pham actually surprisingly yeah, does in this. I don't know that I agree with well. that, but I am in on Biggio in anything that shifts off batting average. I'm trying to get Kevin Biggio everywhere, especially on base, because, yeah, he might hit 240, but in an on base, that's a 350. And 2020 guy. Sleepers? Love Biggio. Love him. And, I, I, you know, Muncy, I, you think I have him ranked too high and I pay too much for him maybe no, in I labor. Don't. I like that. Only two middle infielders with 35 homers past two seasons. Trevor Story and Max Muncy. That's it. You're not getting a high batting average, but everything else and and three infield positions. Yes, that's that, and that uh, I do think there's a benefit to having that. That's why I like the price for Max Muncy. Right. I was in the we, room when Reese you bought Hoskins, him, and I'm liking that. Reese Hoskins may not bat 250 this season, um, but yep. with on base percentage, that's that's a good one. He, he and Joey Gallo fit into that same yes description. Similar now, unfortunately. Um, sleeper guy for you is uh, Trent Grisham. Yeah, that's a good walk rate. And from reports we're hearing, we haven't been in Arizona, that he is playing center field fine and he's going to be their everyday center fielder, which is a, which is a good thing. Also, some sleepers a little bit later that you may not be thinking about in normal leagues and standard leagues, but in points leagues, Daniel Vogelbach is, is, I don't, I don't want to say coveted, but kind of in the middle rounds, right? 
He's a guy who takes walks. I, I see. We, I, I see where you're. you're I'm just personally out on him. I think he regresses. Thirty home runs with a three forty on base. Nothing I wrong don't with that. see him meeting either one. Why all of a sudden? Why would he not hit? For I power just don't now? think he's a very good player. Well, right. I, I'll agree with that. But like, if you're if you're saying you know having fun baseball becomes a normal baseball this season, then obviously you're cutting back on Ketel Marte and Vogelbach and mm. and you know Tommy Listella's home runs. But if it's the same, like, what reason would you give for him not matching the power? I don't know I what just, it would be. Yeah, I mean, it, it just comes down to that's one of the players I just don't think is a very good baseball player. Okay. I never have. I've never been a Vogelback guy. I, ha- I have him in my sim league. You know that because he, he was a throw-in in another trade. But I just don't think there's a lot there. Last year, meeting the high end with a 341 on base and 30 home runs. So with the environment, what it was, he met those numbers on the high end. What if they regress to 20, 21 homers and a 315 on base? He could bat 190. Uh, yes, he could. And I, I, just, I think Evan White is a better all around. Oh, Evan White's playing player. every day. Evan White is playing every day. And I think he'll hit right handers and, and as well as lefties. Right. And I think that, that that consistency, the fact that they can lock him in, is more valuable to the Mariners right now than leaning on Vogelbach. I, I frankly think they should have attempted to cash in on that chip. Evan White hits 272 with 24 home runs. Oh, crazy! Wow, I would love that. So you think that's crazy? I, I think he's. I think he's a John Olerud type. Is I he gonna really wear do. the helmet too? <laughs> that yeah. you know. I'd love that. Yeah, no, I know that. <laughs> you weren't even born yet. Yeah, I've seen the highlights. I'm, I'm thinking now. Now because people are gonna think of that that huge John Olerud year where he batted what 363 yeah, with 20 some homers. That. I think it's the later John Olerud. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe I'm too optimistic on Evan White. That's I'll possible. bet. I, I bet there's an on-base guy you'd positively love. It's Shinsu Chu. Oh yeah, absolutely. Always overlooked because of his age. Um, it's not going to be a high batting average, but he takes his walks, scores his runs, probably leading off for that team. Yeah, yeah, definite. How many? Uh, Justin Smoke takes walks. So I mean, Votto takes walks in, in an on-base percentage league. I mean, I don't think Votto's hitting 20 home runs, but. Two, he had 260 last year, a lot of walks. <laughs> the generator, by the way, off off our projections, says that Victor Robles is a $4 player in this format, yes. and Daniel Vogelbach is a $3 player in the, this format. They are right next to each other. That's weird. Yeah. Okay, what else we got? The last question comes from Nate. He wants to know if Tristan's doing the 6x6 six six ranks column. Regardless, he plays in that sort of league and has a keeper question for you guys. He's got to keep two of these five. Jose Ramirez, George Springer, Austin Meadows, Robert, which I'm going to always say is Robert and not Robert, no matter how many times you guys tell me, <laughs> or Chris Sale. No. Two of them. It's not Chris Sale anymore. Yeah. Even if the report comes out good on his MRI today, it's not Chris Sale. You can't. There's too much risk. Yeah. I mean, I'll say to you right now, not knowing if he needs Tommy John, Chris, Tristan, uh, Chris Sale over under 20 starts, you can't take the over. Right? I'm not, I'm not trying to answer the question I'm ask, asking you, but can you take the over there's on 20 a, there's starts? There's an optimist in me that would like to make you that case, but no, it's under. And even if he's okay in mid-April, doesn't mean he's okay in July and August. I, I'm, I'm out, totally out. Yeah. There, my new there, rankings is out. There's a path where he misses one month, he comes back and he's fine for the final five, but that's at this point, that's got to be in the 10th percentile, maybe. Um, Jose Ramirez is a second-round pick in standard league, so you're definitely keeping him in a 6x6. Six six. Yes. Springer, Metters, or, or Luis Robert. You can't take you can't take the rookie over established guys. Springer doesn't steal bases, uh, um, so you know Robert doesn't go over him. And Meadows had a fantastic year, and there's upside here as a top ten outfielder. 
So it, you, we narrow it to Springer and Meadows. Meadows is younger and steals bases. I, I think you can go with him. So in a 6-6, we were looking at 364 on base, 558 slugging, and I feel like Meadows was very legit last year. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's a guy you can lock in 24 years old in this – this is a keeper league, not a dynasty league. Um, if it was more true dynasty, then then you make the Robert case. But it's it's Austin Meadows here. Why are you it's saying weird. that word wrong? What's wrong with you? What, dynasty? That's not how you pronounce it. Be an dynasty. American. What's wrong with you? Come on. Dynasty. Like, that, wasn't there a TV show named after that? You ask me why I don't tweet. That's why. Because people are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> because these people are just dumb on Twitter. Um, I would keep Ramirez. You need to and, weigh in on my mustard pretzel. Mustard pretzel. On uh, who does this? So, Kyle, this is this is how weird he is. We didn't plan our lunch well one day. Okay. I'm eating. I buy a big pretzel. Sure. Okay. I put mustard on it. Yeah. And he's like filming me doing this, and then he tweets it. <laughs> and of course, because it's Twitter, only <laughs> negative responses. And probably eighty percent of negative people agree with what I'm doing. But we don't see any of those people on Twitter. We just see the haters saying, you know, kill them. So, you know, I, and he, Tristan hates mustard, all right, for whatever I reason. I especially hate that mustard. That was the generic kind You'll of You'll eat eggplant parm, but you don't thing. like mustard. Okay. I'm with Tristan on this one. Pro eggplant, anti-mustard. You don't like mustard either? All no, right. but I would go plain pretzel over anything. Like, I wouldn't put anything on it. So that'll be it for me on Somebody this show. Somebody said beer cheese. Who's going to host next week? Hey, Eric, we need you to do a thing. Oh, it's yes. time for some elevator music as we wind down the show here on Fantasy Focus Baseball. Thank you for remembering, Kyle. You're such a good <laughs> pal to all of us. Flowers. <sighs> I can give you a chill piece of info. That I would six like to by six it. question they had. I will have to get those ranks out for people. Yeah, what's wrong that with you, Tristan? Have you been on vacation or something? Can you update your <laughs> rankings? I don't understand. It's Why like is Chris Sale not updated? And, and go to an airport or something and lose a few hours. Oh, I just saw a unicorn pass over the rainbow just now. We are done <laughs> for today's show. We hope you liked it. But if not, there's not much we can do about it either. <laughs> um, anyway, that Don't break listening. character! Oh, thank you for listening to our little show. It's called Fantasy Focus Baseball. I believe we'll be back on Monday and Thursday of next week and beyond. Until infinity, or whenever something stops us. Thank you for listening. For Tristan, who is awesome. For Kyle, who is awesome. I am Eric. I finish in second place. Have an awesome day! Everything is awesome! To infinity and darkness!